noise at all. I don't I know. Have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. It usually sounds pretty good, but we're never sure if it's actually good. Yeah, I don't know until I go and take these and, and stick our two tracks side by side. <laughs> <laughs> I'll think we're dead on and, and we're just not. So Years apart. Right. Okay, folks. Um, This is Connie. In case you've forgotten, since it's been such a long time since I have done this podcast. And I'm here with Beck again. She is back also. It's been longer <laughs> for her because I, I did the one episode when she was uh, out traveling and, and living life. And I did that with my friend Mark when mm-hmm. I brought the the cis white straight man onto the very <laughs> gay <laughs> podcast and you know what it was super popular so we might do that again but for now we're back to the regular old cast of characters uh myself and beck beck what you been up to uh not much just trying to get a job and trying to get my life in order oh just those little things oh yeah v- very minor things to deal with you know not depressing or anxiety inducing at all <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Also, you got the holidays, like right around the corner. So Very close. And when you have no job, very stressful. Yeah, Everybody loves I mean, macaroni art, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, you and I saw each other in person uh, a while back. It's It's been a while now. We hoped to podcast uh, more quickly after the Carmilla Con in Toronto that you and I both uh, made the jaunt up there and attended. But, uh, you know, stuff gets in the way, as it always mm-hmm. does. People are going to get tired of hearing me saying that, but, man, it does. <laughs> I posted something today about podcasting saying I was going to record something today. And it's like, you know what? Podcasting, like the chit-chat is easy. That's easy. Mm-hmm. But uh, getting us together, um, our schedules, uh, whatnot, and then after that, you know, that's like one thing where you're like, okay, got that recording done. Everything went good. And then I sit down to edit, to try to find time to edit mm-hmm. them. And that takes a little bit of like weird concentration because you're basically creating. We have a conversation that we're having right now. Mm-hmm. But with editing... I have to go in and like kind of create that and I'm not making fake things or whatever, but you know, just make it flow and try to make it good listening for people because I, since I started podcasting, I've listened to a lot of podcasts Mm -hmm. and boy, oh boy, (laughs) some of them can be a struggle. Some are great. Do you listen to a lot of other podcasts? Uh, I do. I I have quite a few that I follow. There are some that I listen to that are just like unedited, just straight up. We record and then we put it online and it's a bit hard to follow sometimes. I sometimes wish I had that gene in me where I could just be like, it is what it is. And it will it would make my life so much simpler <laughs> if I could just be like, hey, let's just record this screen because that's not what we do. Yeah. If folks don't know, we have each have our own recording equipment. We record our own side of the conversation. Mm-hmm. You send your side to me. I put it together. I sync them together. And then I make sure that we all line up good, that we don't have awkward, huge pauses. I mean, just regular awkwardness. Yes. You know, that yes. Works. As expected. <laughs> acceptable awkwardness <laughs> and and you know try to make our levels the same so one of us doesn't sound like we're actually in another state which you are uh yeah accurate you know, down in a down in a hole in a canyon somewhere <laughs> uh, and one of us isn't yelling at everyone because we're <laughs> so much louder we have so many feelings that's what it is yeah you could definitely tell when we get the feelings because the little meters pop up to the mm-hmm. edges where, you know and then i'm like well we we were really into that But I do want to do a side note mention here of a podcast that I recently picked up. I just have to give it all the props and a shout out because I've put it on. I listen to it around the house. I stop one if I have to pick it right back up when I get in the car because it's so listenable. It's obviously about a topic that you and I both love. Gentleman Jack. Okay. (laughs) Shibden After Dark. I've not heard of this. 
<laughs> well, by the title, you know, I was immediately like, okay, uh-huh. what's this? <laughs> Shipping After Dark, uh, two ladies who go episode by episode with the show. And which, you know, sometimes, like when I think about that, and, and we talked about doing that with Carmilla, mm-hmm. we thought it would be like, oh, that would be so tedious. No one want to listen to a breakdown of every little thing. And it's really hard to do those because you start talking about a topic and then all your time's gone before you've covered the whole episode. And if you go too fast, then you're just jumping around. It's not good content. Mm-hmm. But these, these, um, these women are very conversational, very good at it. And they bring in like a really just... A, intelligent observations, things that as many times as I've watched the show, because I've watched it four or five times now, I don't even pick <laughs> up on from the side of what I know will interest you. Uh, one of the people uh, has worked in uh, movie and TV okay. industry on the technical side. Mm-hmm. So she's bringing in a lot of things that you notice, which are like lighting is things mm-hmm. and how things are lit, how things are staged and blocked out, your camera shots and angles, bringing in stuff that I notice because I'm, you know, I love television and, and movies, but on the, even a more technical level without bogging it down. So it's a really good podcast. I want to give a shout out to Shibden After Dark. I think that's just what their Twitter name is. Mm-hmm. And if you search the podcast, that's, that's what it is. I listen to them on Spotify. I haven't found a lot of other podcasts that I, I'm, you know, in the LGBTQ plus area that I really look forward to. And that is one. So I wanted to give them a shout out. So maybe you can check on that one too and give you I something could. too. I very rarely have found, like, a podcast that covers just, like, a specific, like, show or, like, a type of, like, a genre that I really am super into. I listen to a lot of uh, YouTuber-based podcasts, but about, like, mental health and um, inclusivity and minority and stuff. Like, that's what I listen to mostly. So, I've never actually been able to find one that, like, a podcast about a single show that goes into more than just that one thing. So... And this one actually does go into things like that with mental health, like dealing with the Ann Walker character and mm-hmm. picking up on a lot of the same things that you and I picked up on that we spoke about in our episode about, you know, her behaviors and, and the, for the time and, and like people seeing her as an invalid and the, you know, blossoming awareness of her sexuality yeah. and how that affected her mental health and way other people perceived her mental health. So it, I'm going to stop talking about that one because I'm just <laughs> going to gush about it, but it's really, really good. Let's talk about the last time we did see each other, which was at CarmelaCon in Toronto. We were there the first week of October. And for those who are not familiar, but if you listen to this, you should be by now. Our, <laughs> our beloved, probably favorite thing is Carmilla. And they had the first ever show-specific con for it now the folks from carmilla have been at like Klexicon and love fan fest and other cons mm-hmm. but this one was just like the og homies you know back in the day down crowd for <laughs> carmilla it was specifically for them like it was yeah. just for them yes every all the panels all the guests it was small even though we were at a really nice huge hotel in toronto the sheraton center toronto which was I was really surprised by it when we walked in. I think you were too the first day. Yeah, it was massive and it was more than I ever expected to have um, because it wasn't just a hotel and it wasn't just like a, you know, community center with ballrooms. It was also a mall and like a food court and it was the center of like this town. It felt like it was crazy. I mean, even the fact they had a waterfall in like a waterfall uh, what is it called? Terrarium, basically, yeah. with yeah. ducks and turtles, and I've never seen that in a hotel. No, no, it was super fancy and super nice, and um, so 
kudos to the organizers of Carmilla Con all around. Mm-hmm. But number one, I know they took a lot of time in picking out this hotel, and it was great because it's one thing to come there as a guest for the convention and just need to get you in your room and, and get the layout of the place, but coming in as a vendor, which Stacy, my wife, and I went and we vended at it. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of, you know, setup gear to bring in and logistics and whatever, and they just really made it like the most simple thing because it's super stressful traveling anyway. But when you're traveling, going something like that, where you're like, okay, I got to get my setup in, I've got to figure out these escalators and this elevator and loading dock and blah, blah. And they were just like, just let us do it for you. Just pull your car up here, take the stuff out. Here's a tag for your car. Where do you want us to take this stuff? You know, and that's just great. Made it like super easy and then also all of the um coordinators and and organizers you know they split up their duties there were people in charge of the panels people in charge of the guests and the volunteers the vendors um big shout out to everyone there and also the volunteers the volunteers were the best like they truly were yeah it uh it was a small convention i mean obviously much smaller than a a convention that we've been to before where Mm -hmm. multi-fandoms are there um, so I was like, I don't know, you know, how is this is going to go? I don't know if it's going to be like so low key that it becomes like, like boring or not interesting or mm-hmm. there isn't enough programming or there isn't enough action going on or whatever. But we had our own little, like felt like one quarter of a floor <laughs> devoted to this, which was nice because mm-hmm. we weren't running ourselves silly and everyone was there with a single purpose. We love Carmilla and we want to celebrate it and mm-hmm. we want to let the people who made the show and were in the show know that we appreciated it. And we're still fans. And it was just the best, like the best weekend. It was. It was, it was, it was hard coming back to reality after that. <laughs> I think more so than the last time when I went to convention, like when I went to Clexicon, like that, it was difficult then, but it was so much more difficult because one, like being in, that it was in Toronto, like there was just, it felt better to be there. <laughs> I don't know how to explain that, but it just, something about being there, it just felt nicer, and it felt like everybody had a sense of, like, we're all here together, and it was great, because you all had this common interest. I think part of that was because it was Canada. I mean, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, to be Canada, honest. Yeah, Canada just, just feels like the motherland that we're going back to or something, as like... <sighs> queer people like gay people uh lesbians bisexual pansexual whatever you identify as that love this kind of media like toronto is just like such a well number one it's a place where a lot of the people that make the content are from or now live Mm -hmm. and the content comes out of there and you know toronto's a super queer friendly city so you know, it's it's kind of like San, the San Francisco, I guess, in terms of that uh, for the U.S. We loved the, the town, uh, the city. Everyone was great. Everything was great. But the convention was, was super special. Um, un- unlike some of the bigger conventions, you know, there were like everyone was going into all of the panels. So yeah, when we were out there, when we were out there vending, like everyone was gone. So we got to go in and go see the panels, which doesn't happen at the bigger conventions. Mm-mm, not at all. We feel like, you know, I feel like I don't need to leave you know stacy or any of my booth minders alone like i need to be in the booth because Mm -hmm. i'm connected with the brand and i need to be there and plus i just want to talk to people about stuff and and what they're what they're looking at or what they want or you know but i do want to go see the content like i always try to go the halstein panel at clexicon Mm -hmm. and things like that so i get to go into all of them also got to go into the uh screening of (laughs) the little doc that you were in why don't you tell everybody about that documentary? the little documentary that could uh 
everybody at this point should know, because if you don't, I don't know where you've been living, about uh, Queering the Script. Um, it is a documentary about queer fandom, and it was shot over the last two or three years. They actually went and interviewed a bunch of people from different shows that have worked on it, and then also just fans in general at Klexicon, and I actually had the opportunity to be a part of that alongside my grandmother uh, when I went to Klexicon in 2017. <laughs> The Clexicon that we met at. I, I mm -hmm. met you that e an evening, uh, I guess the Friday, Thursday evening, mm -hmm. and then the convention started Friday, and I saw you like at the beginning of the day, and then the next time you came back, you were like, dude, I'm going to be in this documentary. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite possibly insane to me because the whole thing, the only reason that I was really in it was because I had recognized uh, Steph. The, you know, like, you know, our spearheader for Carmilla. If you, yes. no one knows Steph, then I don't know where, again, where are you living? Um, but I, I recognized her and I wanted to go up and just talk to her and be like, hey, thank her for all the work that she's done for the community and for Carmilla as a whole. And like, because it changed my life so vastly. And after having a conversation with her, that's when, uh, Gabrielle, I can't say her last name. Can you say her last name? I, I don't want to say it wrong. So exactly. No. So Gabrielle, um, she kind of approached me and started talking to me and asked who I was there with. And that's when they found out that I was there with my grandmother and they wanted to talk to us and see what it was like for, you know, me as the fan, but my grandma just being a supporter of me to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. So it was a really cool idea. And the documentary is amazing. In fact, we're gonna we uh, we've gotten permission from the uh, people that you know did the, made the documentary to do a showing of it at the university that I attended. Oh, that's for awesome. for the LGBTQ uh, uh, tri uh, theater tribe that we have there. So, well, you know, I knew that the documentary was being made and uh, been hearing about it ever since that Clexicon. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, and I'm not really trying to knock any media or anything, but when you do see and hear about a lot of that stuff, it never sees the light of day. Accurate, yes. Based on the content, um, because people sometimes don't want to fund things like that, or the funding runs out, or it just takes so long because it's a mass, you know, there are massive topics to cover that, you know, something just happens. And also, sometimes when you do get to see the product, it is not like, I use this term like store-bought, like mm -hmm. to say that something's like polished and finished <laughs> and, and really viewable and where you're not like noticing that you're watching like a really lo-fi, low-budget, indie type mm -hmm. project. And so I went into the screening of this and you were in there with me, but we didn't sit together. Oh no, I sat with uh, my girlfriend and then Steph sat in front of us yeah. and took pictures of me reacting to it the whole time. So I was in my own little nervous bubble, not knowing what to do. <laughs> yeah. So I sat and watched it with Dana Pickley, mm -hmm. who was also prominently featured, in, and she was great in it, just as you were, and just as your grandma was. I mean, your grandma, <laughs> she'd just go to the next Carmilla Khan and sign autographs or She something. really should. Everybody loved yeah. my grandma. I think people liked her more than me, and that's okay with me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're adjacent to your grandma. In, exactly. In the, the fandom appreciation <laughs> in this. But I, I was immediately struck by the quality of the documentary. And this documentary is about representation mm -hmm. and what it means to people and and that you know that the straight world doesn't understand what it means to folks like us to see our own selves our own relationships our own love lives represented in tv mo and movies and other media that i, I heard um steph told me afterwards uh 
that there were screenings where some of the comments made that were really like touching and heartfelt to me and almost had me tearing up that some early audiences kind of laughed and thought they were comical mm-hmm. until they watched through the whole documentary and then they were like oh I never even thought about that you don't see yourselves mm-hmm. and you don't have a reference and you have this other thing that you also don't aren't a part of or participate in and your real life is all you ever see like that they didn't get it and also that there was a really vast difference between the way queer women and queer men related that mm-hmm. queer men just don't get it. They, and they would say, we don't get it. Like, I'm not putting that judgment on them. Like, they would tell the filmmakers, like, we, we don't have this, like, this much of an issue as it seems like the, the queer women mm-hmm. do. And I, I kind of then thought about, like, you know, I agree with that. And I wonder if that's why we do see, as things have been developing and changing, we see so much more content for women well i think that we also need to think about way when queer people start first started being in shows there weren't really just like queer women you never saw the queer woman there was always like the throwaway male queer character like that that's something that we've seen the gay best friend to the plucky uh sarah jessica parker type character exactly and like uh like will and grace yeah like you know that we didn't see tons of lesbians in that show but there were it was a focal point of queer people in that show. So I think that over time we've seen it kind of start to turn a little bit and go more towards queer women because people are finally realizing that, oh, we've always given the throwaway funny gay character, but we've never actually taken it seriously. Mm -hmm. And women are the ones that are standing up for it at this point. We are the ones that are like, we have not been seen yet. Yeah, and I think it comes down to as simple as... If you ask for what you want or need, like the universe can sometimes provide that for you, but you have right. to ask, and in some cases demand <laughs> that, you, <laughs> that you get it, <laughs> and that's what we've been doing for a really long time. So the documentary points out, you know, and follows a lot of shows and and uh, content, and Dana gives a lot of really great like commentary about things like subtext there's a mm-hmm. great section in there <laughs> and, and a, a, a not a majority of but a pretty good part of the documentary is spent on xena mm-hmm. which was a I, I mean for my existence and my knowledge was the first time that there was ever like a show where the lesbians or the queer women sat up and said i think something's going on with these two characters mm-hmm. <laughs> that is not specifically what you know they're want it to be but we see it between the two lead characters of this Mm -hmm. it was the first time people started like the shipping in a big way and i think that started because of online communities correct Mm -hmm. it it, uh the online communities first started around the same time that xena was like showing like uh, actual forums and chat rooms and groups were starting to form then and so with the age of the internet starting to develop the age of fandom was starting to develop at the same time, which is where we finally get to see these niche communities, such as the queer community, coming to the forefront, which is great. Yeah, if two things ever needed to collide at the same time, <laughs> it was Xena and the internet and created fandom. Mm-hmm. I mean, it truly did, have... though. Yeah, where would you and I be without that? Because, <laughs> you know, you're from smallish town uh, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. I am from smallish town uh, Kentucky. Neither one of us growing up probably had like a group of great gay friends that we could Mm-mm. have talked about any of these kind of things with. But now and starting then, 
that allowed an outlet for people to not just be at home by themselves, like going, like going, okay, what's going on with Zena and Gabrielle? Like, mm-hmm. You know, like what, what, what's this mean? And boy, <laughs> they're so awful close to each other, and their faces are so close. Are they going to, you know, those kind yep. of things? <laughs> you could get online and talk about that with somebody, which is what we're still doing today. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter the new content that comes out. We're always constantly we fe- find a need within ourselves to be able to communicate about that and to see. Hey, do you see what I'm seeing? Like, do you feel what I'm feeling about this, or am I crazy? Like, we feel the need to connect about that, though. And there's a modern equivalent of that. And I don't think you watch this show, but you can correct me if you if you do. Supergirl. Uh, a little bit, not so much anymore. I watched the first season. But you're familiar with the Supercorp. Oh yeah, yeah. Supergirl and and Lena Luthor. It's <laughs> it's it's the same thing. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. those the 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 people involved with Xena I think have admitted that yeah, we were writing this like we we knew what we were writing sort of. We weren't going to come out and be able to say it at that time, but we kind of you know, we were putting these things in there. And you know, I'm just going to have to call out the Supergirl writers <laughs> because they have to know what they're doing. Those two women are in a seriously angsty committed relationship yes (laughs) yet they are not being listed that way on the show but i I think i posted something this last week uh, about the uh, a big conversation that happened between the two of them and i was like look i've never spoken to another woman that way (laughs) unless i was in love with her or you know some sort of relationship aspect was going really wrong (laughs) with yeah with me and they, there's no way for them to explain it out. They're writing a gay love story, but I feel like they just don't. They're not have, giving us the gay. They're not giving us the gay. They're not committed to that. They're committed to, and I guess maybe it's smart on their part. They'll, we'll follow it forever, mm-hmm. even if it never comes mm-hmm. to fruition. That's something that was uh, became a big problem. Actually, I think it was two years ago at San Diego Comic Con about Supergirl, about a panel that was done, um, and it was basically put out there that. You know, we know what we're doing, but we will. they will never be together. And they've said outright, they will never be together. Mm-hmm. And even though they've said that outright, and there was an outrage for months. We're not going to watch the show. We're done. Show comes back on. Everybody's watching. Like, it's just how it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's a, a, a power to the actresses. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's props to them uh, for that. I, there are far more educated and scholarly folks in the world of Supercorp. Um, one of my Twitter friends, uh, Monica, for sure, she does recaps and she she does fan fiction. And she she's probably, I would have to put her up there as like a foremost authority on what's going on. <laughs> with this, she wrote the book. Yeah, with this. Yeah, she wrote the non-book on this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I just thought it was like an interesting thing that, you know, there's always something to sit around and think about when you start thinking about the queer representation on TV shows if you're a person that cares about it like I do and I'm like you know I was watching that documentary and I'm like this is just super corp this is what that is yeah. and I'm, I'm like did they just like follow that blueprint and go hey that shit was super popular and went on forever created a fandom for all time that'll never leave what'd they do oh let's just do that That and well I think it's also like once they fe- once TV people found a formula as to what works and get the- gets these followers they're gonna try to follow that formula 
because they need the ratings. They need the people to be hooked. They need you to want to watch it. But it just depends on the company and the television show if they're going to actually give you what it is that you've needed or felt like you have needed for so long. Or if they're just going to keep like doing the thing like Pitch Perfect where Becca and Chloe will they won't they throughout three movies and they even filmed a separate you know ending where they were supposed to have kissed and then never put it out but they told us about it like it's just it it's just how companies are now it's just mean (laughs) they're competing for the queers that's what it is that's a nice segue you've given me there into um the topic i really want to talk about which is the netflix show atypical yes so you said they they never gave us what we wanted and spoiler alert, if you have not watched Atypical yet, you're going to get spoiled all over the place by this little sec- segment here. So you may want to dip out mm-hmm. and, and come back in. Or if you, you know, we won't go into like actual things, but, but you're going to get the gist of, and it's going to take a lot of your angst away if you if you keep listening. <laughs> so I'm just giving, giving you a warning. If you don't mind being spoiled, then hey, hang out. <laughs> Atypical is a show that I discovered shortly after it premiered on Netflix. It stars Jennifer Jason Lee, so I just want to pause for just a second. Uh, she plays the mother, Elsa, in this show that is about a um, neuroatypical son. And she has a family with a son and a daughter and, and her husband. And I discovered it shortly after it came out, and people just kept saying, you know, oh, this, you know, this is just a really good, like, solid show. Check it out, check it out. And I was like, well, is there gay stuff in it? You know, like, mm-hmm. I didn't know. That's a that's great like, question. Yeah, obviously. Is there gay stuff in it? But it didn't matter because Jennifer Jason Lee was in it. And of my time, you know, my age, I just turned 50. Jennifer Jason Lee was in, my first notice of Jennifer Jason Lee was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Okay. Which came out in 1982. It is, it is like one of the most beloved movies for people of my age. Um, you know, we were in either late, you know junior middle of junior high or beginning high school when that movie came out if you were of that age of that time this is just your movie i mean it it really is you know generationally it even passes my son who is 27 loves this movie probably because of being raised by me but his friends (laughs) do as well so anyway that was a you know plus i mean just look at her career like if you're not familiar with her like she you know she's she's been in fast times she's also in rush she's in shortcuts um things like mrs parker in the vicious circle then she's up into Quentin Tarantino movies, you know, mm-hmm. in Hateful Eight. She's in that. So she's just had this, like, nonstop, like, mega career. And she's such a good actress. And just, if you need to pull somebody into your show uh, t- just to just throw a monkey wrench into it or, like, step it up a notch, like, that's her. Like, she's been in, for her TV career, she was in Weeds. She's also in Twin Peaks. So that's two, like, mega Ty, you know mega credits and then you throw her into like she's she's in the affair on showtime now mm-hmm. so it's just for me it was like okay i'm gonna go watch it <laughs> and then then and, and stacy and i watched it and we binged the first season in two nights so i think it was eight episodes Fair. yeah yeah so that's a good test of a show if it's got like because i'll watch pretty much anything that's <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give anything a chance and and get hooked on some really weird things but you know, I'm not your average TV watcher. Stacy's more of an average TV watcher. Like, but the really good stuff, you know, it's good if she gets stuck in on it. Like that's, and this is one where she's like, when it's over, 
Is that, is that it? Are we done? That's no yeah. That's exactly kind of how it. So you you got into it early on. Yeah. I knew. I've known for years. I should watch it. And we've yeah. talked about me needing to watch it. And I've I started watching the first season like a year ago, and then just never finished it because I got wrapped up in. I don't. I think it was Haunting of Hill House had come out at the same oh, time. So I did. I yeah. got wrapped up. So, but I decided what, to start watching a, it. That was what? a great time for me when those two were out at the same time. I was just like... They're complete opposites, but also great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I started watching it, uh, I think it was a week a week and a half ago now. I watched yeah. the first episode and then started the second episode. And when I started the second one, Tiffany had just come home from work. And she <laughs> sat down and started watching. And she says, well, what happened in the first episode? And I told her. And then we sat and watched the entire first season and half of the second season in that night. And then, you know, I wasn't allowed to finish or watch the next season until she got home the next day from work. So I just sat around the house staring at my TV, waiting. So then we finally got to watch it and finish it. But that's the thing. Tiffany hasn't even watched, like, Killing Eve or any of G- Gentleman Jack. She uh. wants to watch these shows, but, like, just doesn't. Yeah. But this is a show that she actually wanted to sit and watch with me. And that has not happened in years. <laughs> and that, so that speaks a lot to the type of show that this is. Number one, it's well written. Number mm-hmm. two, it's well acted. Everyone from Jennifer Jason Lee to Michael Rappaport plays her husband. who I think he is a crazy off-the-wall person in real life because he makes frequent appearances on Howard Stern show that I listen to <laughs> daily. And he's just like, oh, the most abrasive guy. But man, again, if you need somebody to come in just solid, like... That character actor, but a step up notch. Bring mm-hmm. him in. He's your dude. And then uh, Keir Gilchrist, who plays Sam, the son with autism, is so fucking watchable. It's ridiculous. I love him. <laughs> like, he's and, precious. And I'm watching the show, and I, and it's so refreshing, and, and I'm, I really don't want to, like, go crazy into autism topic, because I'm not educated enough on it to give any sort of commentary. But I just sit there, and I watch... And I'm like, my God, this is so refreshing. Like, he just says exactly what everyone is thinking Mm -hmm. in their mind, but Mm -hmm. does not say. And that feels like, I know that in the real world, it is not that freeing because, you know, this is an issue that a lot of people struggle with and a lot of families struggle with. But we see that in this show. We see the family and Mm -hmm. how they each deal with it in their their own way, from the mother, the father, to the sister. So I want to come around to Casey, his sister, played by Bridget Lundy Payne who is just like, I don't know anything else that she had been in, uh, if there's anything notable to us or that many credits before. I haven't looked up or anything, but I watch a lot of TV and I had not referenced her before. So good as playing his sister that he's also in high school with and, and you know, she's got her own issues. And they you get the brother-sister relationship, you get the father-daughter, you know, all the different dynamics inside of a family. And then you've got the one kind of monkey wrench thrown in of that they they all have to find their way to navigate their lives with their brother. And so it's Mm -hmm. just really honest, um, really honest. It resonates with me. My my friend Jim has a daughter who is on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, hear about and see and witness things in, in his family and the way they relate and the way they, you know, move forward and and how they just function like a, a normal family. Um with that issue mm-hmm. for them and and a lot of it I saw reflected in the show and I was like so you know I, I know the show got a lot of of uh, 
complaints about the way in the first season that maybe the autism was handled or written. Um, and then they they listened mm-hmm. and they fixed it. They brought in, I believe, some folks with autism into the writer's room. They did. They did, and they also brought some actors in that actually do have autism. And they yeah. had nurses there on set as well. That's, yeah. that's yes. Yeah. So that is, you know, we could sit here and keep talking about that aspect and go, oh, this is a show about an autistic teenager. It's not. It's so much mm-hmm. more than that. It's a show where there are other storylines that don't really involve him. Like we have the sister and her, she gets a, a boyfriend and she's got her, where she's a track runner. And so she has an issue of moving to a new school where she can be on a better track team and kind of concentrate on that. And, and that, so we get the issue of her leaving her friends and going to a new school. We have the mother and the father who have you know, been married for a while and they have had a difficult marriage and some of that brought on by the issues with their son. And we get to see navigating like a real relationship, not like a made up glossed over TV mom and dad, you know, Um, but we get to experience all of their stories and they're all equally compelling, which is, I think why I I champion this show to everybody. I'm like, do you watch atypical? Do you? And they're like, what's that? No. And I'm like, just trust me, put it on. I would say that this show is mostly, it's a show dealing with transitional periods. Like, that's yeah. what it is. Because it's, you know, the parents are going through their own transitional periods. Sam's going through his own. Casey's going. Every character has their own transition that they're going through. And it's honestly not so much about the um, autism side as much as it is how everyone is learning how to deal with their own lives and the things that they have to change and do every single day. Because it's not it's not easy for anyone to change things, but especially within the circumstances of this family. So I think that that's really what's important about this show and what really draws a lot of people in is it's not just about one topic. It's about everyone is struggling. Here's how we figure out how to struggle together. Mm-hmm. And we care about each of those storylines, mm-hmm. or at least in our house we do, mm-hmm. where sometimes you'll watch a show and you'll be like, oh, come on, let's get through this part because I want to go back to people that I care about <laughs> what's going on with them, you know? Yep. And like I'll struggle through your side person over here that you feel like you've got to let me know what they're doing. <laughs> you're, you're taking time away from the people I care about. <laughs> that is not the case with this one. I'm into all of these storylines. Like I'm concerned about the parents' marriage. I'm concerned about Casey going to the new school and she's got the boyfriend that, you know, she has, but then she... You know, as when people say, is there gay stuff in it? I could tell pretty early on there was going to be gay stuff in this. It was the haircut and the outfits. I'm just going to say that alone. Anyone that starts watching this, season one, Casey, look at the hair. Look at the outfits. It's not going to be hard to figure out. (laughs) No, no. So Casey goes to the new school and there's a girl there. And she goes from a regular just public school to mm-hmm. a private school so there's you know that dynamic anyway. that's a huge transition as well it's it's yeah. big going from private to public but it's even bigger going from public to private yes because there's nowhere for you to blend in there going, not at all going, going the other way you can come from the private school and and the john hughes world of teenager mm-hmm. you know you can find your crew and or or just disappear into the walls and, exactly. and be okay and get by but you can't do that going <laughs> to the the preppy rich academy school <laughs> um, with the shitty girls and the privileged boys and all of that stuff. The ones that think they're better than anyone else. Yeah. Well, she immediately meets Izzy. Mm-hmm. And who didn't know? <laughs> and and when I say these things like, okay, who didn't know that this was going to turn out to be like a relationship conflict? I'm not saying that it's like clumsily written or it's obviously written. 
um, or that we're seeing like tropes or stereotypes. It's just because, I mean, of, of the actresses and, and the way they're portraying these things. It's casted and, chemistry. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And if there's one thing that we'll all pick up on, you know. <laughs> it's the sapphic vibes. <laughs> sapphic vibes. Yeah. Man, if I ever start an adult like sex shop. <laughs> Look, that's, that's... I, I worked at a sex shop for a while. I should have renamed it. Maybe it wouldn't have gone under. Wait, pump the brakes. <laughs> you didn't know? You never told me you worked at a sex I did. shop. I did. I worked at Wagon Wheel Adult Novelty and Video Shop. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Wagon Wheel Adult Novelty and, and video. video Shop. Okay. Was this in a western ta- ghost town? Is that what it was called? Wagon it was Wheel? here in Hattiesburg. Oh, <laughs> it was on is Highway 49. <laughs> is it still there? No. They had to close down because they weren't making enough money anymore because of the internet. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, it's easier that way. Oh, yeah, because there's that stigma. We're going off topic right here. (laughs) Stigma of going into the adult shop, the adult Mm -hmm. store. I mean, the cars driving by on the road that see you go in. Oh, I know. My car was parked outside every single day right out front. (laughs) Everybody in town knew where I was working. And they'd walk in and people would try to not look at me and make eye contact if they knew who I was. I'd be like, hey, how are you? How was English class? Like, (laughs) I know who you are. Don't be afraid. Did any of your teachers ever come in there? I never had a teacher come in there, no. But I did no. have I did have a couple of, you know, other college students that I knew that, ne- like, acted like they were better than most people that would walk mm-hmm. in and didn't mm-hmm. want me to be the one to check them out. <laughs> oh, yeah. There were... they, well, they don't want you to see what they're buying there. Exactly. I mean, there's, that, there's that thing, and the only other thing I can relate it to is, like, when the wife or the daughter sends the husband or the boyfriend to buy the tampon. Yep. I mean... Yep. Men aren't sending women in to buy their condoms, I don't think. So, you know, they, they don't. No. Maybe, maybe that happens in relationships, straight relationships. I have no idea. <laughs> um, glad I don't. But th- that there's a particular, like, social construct going on there between the mm-hmm. adult, adult item buyer and the person behind the counter. And you think they're looking at what you're buying and that they give a fuck. And they do not. We do not. All I wanted you to do was get your stuff and get out because I was. We also had regular movies, so all of the new premieres of movies and stuff that would come out on DVD, I would get to play in stores. So I would just get to spend my days watching movies. Okay. So I was just more concerned about get your stuff, get out of my store, so I can watch Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there's also the stigma of the person that worked at the sex shop. Of course, you assume the lesbians will work there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't seem like yeah. Always in movies, there's a some butch lesbian behind the counter. Exactly, uh, that's yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, it's like a weird thing. It's like I am in here. We both know why I'm in here. We both know what I'm doing. Uh huh. The best kind are the ones that try to act discreet about it. They're like, oh, I'm buying this as a gag gift. Like yeah. it's it's just a gag gift for like a baby shower. And I'm yeah. like, girl, <laughs> no, so I'm not dumb. That- Everybody that buys anything picks up a few of the penis straws at the oh, impulse yep. buy section to throw with it, so it looks like you're going to. Oh, a- we had bubble gum. We had bubble gum at the counter that they could buy. Penis bubble gum. Yeah. Oh <laughs> hell, I'm not putting that in my mouth. But there was also different Kama Sutra bubble gum, like different types of different things, and yeah, we had that at the counter for like if they were like, oh, it's a party favor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, no, we no. we've gotten way off topic. We got way off topic here. Yeah. 
Where were we even at? Oh, we were at the chemistry part. Exactly. <laughs> so those those two actresses have the chemistry uh, going on for for days, and you know we 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 are cued in just like in querying the script when they when they talked about like we know the things to look for, mm-hmm. we know the subtext, we know all you know the sitting too close, the accidental brushes of the hand on a <laughs> leg when they're having movie night on the couch with the popcorn when it's like yep. a weekend sleepover or a slumber party. Uh, um, There's the, like the, the catty fights that they have where the yes. eye contact lasts too long after yeah. she's made the bitchy comment. Like yeah. that's there's those moments. <laughs> and to complicate the matters on this one, we have Casey who has her little boyfriend that she's just gotten. The sweet, lovable, goofy, the most supportive man in the world. The, the ne'er-do-well boyfriend, <laughs> Evan. I mean, Stacy's got such a soft spot for him. Like, she knew what was going on with the yep. thing. She, and she just paused and she's like, I feel so bad for Evan. Because <laughs> we know where this is going, you know? Oh, that that's a that's something that me and Tiffany over and over again, it, it, sitting in the living room, we're like, oh, God, he's so nice. He's such <laughs> a good man. <laughs> doesn't do or say anything wrong no. he's patient as fuck just we patient. both were just like please be a douchebag please be a douchebag <laughs> because casey is very confused this mm-hmm. is something that i whether we know she's ever thought about it or not i don't know or it's in her mind or if it was just that thing that happens sometimes where you meet that person and you're yep. like what is this what's going on <laughs> what's happening to me right now <laughs> so she starts to be conflicted and so that's another point I want to make is that we get like with this show when we're through three seasons now we get the journey mm-hmm. we don't just get like okay we see Casey and then Casey has a boyfriend Casey moves to a new school all of a sudden she and another girl are making out we don't get <laughs> th- that you know we're not getting that version that we get so often mm-hmm. where it's just drop this thing in for sweeps week or for ratings or for because we know if we dip a little bit of queer content in here the Twitter, gay t- Twitter will talk about it for, you know, and make it more popular. We get, like, I think what is a, had been a well thought out uh, storyline. And we, mm-hmm. we get with that, when you get that, when you get a journey, you know what else we get? We get angst. Oh. Which, <laughs> oh, show God. Is so angsty. <laughs> I, I commented to a few people where I was like, I, I was so invested in this storyline and I was so <laughs> caught up that a couple times I just had to, like, turn off the TV and be like, Okay, I'm 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 really sucked into this. I feel like yeah. I'm in this I'm in this thing. I got to get out of it because this is ridiculous. There were it's moments I good. would just pause it just to get up and be like, "All right, look." And we just sit there and I'd look at it and be like, "All right, so here's what's happening. This is what's going on. Where is yeah. this gonna go? How yeah. are they all not gonna get hurt?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you're like everybody's doing everything like good and nice and right and wanting to be the good person and and all this and Mm -hmm. somebody's going to get hurt here somebody is going to get really hurt and i you know not just the gay the the gay relationship in it but like the relationship of the parents too Mm -hmm. like for the first season and then the second season i was just like damn it elsa you're so annoying like you fucked up like give him his space like Mm -hmm. all this stuff and then by coming around the third season and i'm just like dude, shit or get off the pot with this, like, that you don't know what yeah. you're going to do here. Come on. I mean, yeah. I was talking to the TV. I was talking to the characters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I found that a lot of times I would just get really mad at them and be like, what are you doing? Like, just yeah. Yeah. come on. Like, because it is 
because it is such a show that like shows you every single step of the way it's not going to just be like season one here's the problem with mom and dad and then by episode seven it's already taken care of because it is drug drug out through the three seasons but that's because in real life it really is going to take longer than like the 10 days so i think that that's really great the way they did that but it also oh my gosh it just pulls at you and pulls at you and pulls at you yeah, because you're living your own life. You've got your own shit going uh-huh. on, your own angst. And then you're like so deeply into this family and what's <laughs> going on with them. Um, and we haven't even really touched on the main, main like pitch of the show. If somebody was to read the synopsis or someone you know in regular media was to tell them, mm-hmm. like it's about Sam wanting to have a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And Sam, you know, and the challenges that come with the fact you know, dealing with that with him being on the spectrum. And then Sam working a job where his best friend is. Shout out to Zahid, the guy that is his best friend that show is a fantastic yep. character also. Everybody needs like a Zahid. They do. Uh, and, and and then we have the issues of, you know, him uh, wanting to go to college. And the struggles and things that come with that. There's just so, so much. And we haven't even... Like, I think my favorite part of the whole thing with Sam is his penguin fascination. Like, that that's oh. what he fixates on. Because at, when I was growing up, I was super into penguins. I still, when we go to the aquarium, I will sit at the penguin exhibit for two to three hours by myself just watching them. And yeah. I love that that's what calms him because there is something super calming about penguins. Because they're stable. They're constant. Yeah. And I really enjoyed, like, watching, because that is something that, I, when I was a preschool teacher, I uh, taught many different autistic, uh, on the spectrum kids. Pump the brakes again. You, you didn't know that either? You were a preschool teacher? No. <laughs> yes. Did you, did you teach preschool and a half years. during the day and then go work at the adult store at night? No. This was in high school. In high school, for okay. uh, the year before I started high school, all through high school, I taught preschool from around 1 in the afternoon till 6 at night, and then in the summer, all day long. And it was ages six weeks old to six years old. Just depended on the day which classroom I was in. So, you know, I've been around a lot of children. There have been a lot of different children that I've dealt with that are on the spectrum in many different ways. And a lot of the teachers that were older didn't want to take the time to learn what their triggers were or what helped or, like, what they were into. And there was one little boy that was fixated on this Elmo telephone. Like, it was – and it was his – and if he started to have, like, you know, a really bad attack of something, he just needed to give him the phone and he would just push one over and over and over again. Well, there were some teachers that wouldn't do it, let him do that because it annoyed them, him pushing the button over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I think that something that this show did really, really, really well was show us, like, the calming, uh, like, the soothing mechanism for Sam is that pencil in the, um, the rubber bands. Like, that's mm-hmm. what the first one is. And that's an impulse that a lot of children have that if you don't pay attention, you won't see. But Mm -hmm. as they get older, when people try to take that away from them, I just really appreciated the way that they executed that in this show. It's showing how small it is, but how big of an impact it is on that person. Yeah, and it probably has made a lot of people, I know it did me, realize that I have a lot of behaviors that probably fall, Mm -hmm. you know, to some level on the spectrum. And if I went somewhere and actually talked to someone, they would probably give me some sort of diagnosis yes. of something. I mean, I've got, like, I mean, they're coping techniques, mm-hmm. you know. Like, I have a, th- a counting thing in my head where if mm-hmm. I see, like, let- if, like letters and words, I'll count the number of letters and words and, and mm-hmm. do, like, re- repetitive repeating of things in my head. And I'm sure that that's, like, a self-soothing 
anxiety something for me. It is. It definitely and, is. And I have a thing that drives Stacy crazy. Um, and I, tr- <laughs> I've become conscious of it. So I try not to do it if she's like walking beside me or behind me. When I'm walking, I do a thing with my fingers, like yep. a tapping, a tapping of the middle finger up into my palm, mm-hmm. and like go through. The, and she's just like, I also like tap my leg, like before the movie theater. Oh my god! Oh, uh, just like, yeah, <laughs> the leg. I have tap. a friend that does that. <laughs> I don't even notice that I do it and it should be like, hi, stop it. Stop it. You know? <laughs> um, so a lot of those kind of things so that, you know, Hey, we're not all that different. And no, we're not. We, we maybe all don't have things to an extreme or something that, you know, inhibits us or that, you know, causes other people to notice or be bothered by or scared by, but we're not that different. We're not all that different in these, you know, diagnosis in this spectrum world yeah you're right and i think that that's something that this show also shows is like we all have common like we all have issues that's something Mm -hmm. we all have in common we all need help sometimes Mm -hmm. that's something we all have in common so i think that it's important that shows like this exist where it's not that big of a deal when so like when sam has a panic attack or a breakdown his family knows how to handle that he knows how to handle that I think it's important that we as a society and we as people understand that we all have our own ways of handling things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so. So, yeah, so that's a, a one facet of the show, which is amazing to me. Mm-hmm. All the different relationships. And then back to the gay stuff. Let's get over there. <laughs> they, you know, spoiler alert again. We're going to go into third season a little bit. Um, in the other season, we ended with Casey kind of realizing what was going on with her and knowing that she was maybe having an attraction to and starting to question things. And mm-hmm. then they just they just came on with it in this third season. And they're like, let's just give those gays what we've teased about and hinted about. Let's just <laughs> throw the angst in. Let's throw this relationship stuff in. Let's throw all this questioning in. And, you know, God love them for it. I know that there are, like, teenagers and, like, younger adolescents who are getting this show because their family has Netflix and <laughs> are like seeing some shit that I wish I had seen. I know you, even y- as young as you uh-huh. are, wish that you had had this show when you were were younger. Oh yeah, I didn't have anything really until I was in, uh, at least until I was like eighteen, nineteen. That was actually like a solid show that I could watch. That like actually had a positive outlook yeah. on these things. So yeah, and this one definitely does. It shows that. Um, some of the time the worst thing is like what you're thinking in your own head Mm -hmm. about what other people will think about these weird feelings you're having or this you know relationship you know that you might want to have with someone of the same sex and what it would do to like a current boyfriend or your family or your Mm -hmm. other people at school or whatever it's so positive but it was not easy like they show Mm -hmm. like I said the journey they show all of this and um Casey, the actress plays Casey, is so good at it. You just, mm-hmm. you feel, you feel like you're right there with her. And I've had this discussion with Stacy and, and a few other people where, and we may have talked about this before, or we may have talked about it in that episode that we never actually put out that we... Hey, <laughs> that we, we tried. We tried really hard. <laughs> we tried that one episode to get into our Gentleman Jack feelings, and we just got so deep into that hole. Uh, it's going to live in a vault forever. <laughs> Well, my part is yours got clipped out by your computer. Exactly. It's been sealed away by fate. (laughs) Yeah, nobody should have ever heard that episode because (laughs) they would 
they would literally probably be like, you two need to go to therapy. Institutionalize us. That would, yes. that's, that's where it's going. So what I've talked about, and I think we talked about in that episode, was someone, is, you know, Stacey kind of made a comment, and she wasn't being mean, and she wasn't being, you know, making fun of or anything. She was just like, you know, we were listening to a, a podcast about queer subjects, and she mm -hmm. was like, you know, I just think, these people like they they've got to get some other part to their life they're just so obsessed with this stuff and like this is all that they do you know is is talk about this content and uh, you know post about you know is, is this all their whole lives and I was like yeah because it wasn't before mm -hmm. because we didn't have it I said you know and I told her I was like look you didn't grow up the way that I did you weren't the kid that knew really early and had no had no way of seeing it in the world. So when you get the wealth of content that we have now, of course you're going to devour it. And on Shibden After Dark, they said something in one of the episodes. She was like, if I watch every piece of queer content that is out and comes out over a hundred times, I'll never catch up. I think that they're my age. They're, they were like, I'll <laughs> never catch up to what I saw of heterosexual content. There is no catching up. You never catch up. And so it's just like a, uh, you know, that it's like oh, there's a hole in me, a big queer, like, content hole that will never be filled. Yep. And and so it may seem like we're obsessive. It seems like that that's all I want to talk about or whatever. But, it, you know, it's just like, you know, what's that saying? Like, once you've seen the city, like, you can't go back. You know, like the you country mouse yep. kind of thing. Like, you can't go back. It's like I, I'm going back and filling up my, my tanks on stuff that just mm -hmm. wasn't there before. I don't know if anyone, unless they grew up that way i don't know that or, or lived that way i don't know if anyone can ever understand what that feels like i completely agree with you and i think it's kind of interesting that uh, you and stacy even talked about that because that me and tiffany have this similar relationship as to what you and stacy do with that mm -hmm. she did not grow up like that she mm -hmm. did not grow up knowing she she's asked me many times like about why it's so important to me like what why is this all that i do and i'm just like i because for you know the better part of most of my life, I knew, and there was nothing there. And I think it's also the factor of, for her, it's not important for her to see herself in these shows, represented in these shows. But it is to me. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just the certain type of person, and, and you're right, you will never fill up those tanks. And I, you know, I'm much younger and everything, but I still feel like I will never catch up. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's just in, it's an insane amount of stuff that's out now, mm -hmm. but it's never going to be the same cal like the same amount as what we had to go through to get to this point. Yeah, because there, even though it was better for your generation, mm -hmm. there's still during that time when you needed it, it wasn't there. Mm -hmm. You know, junior high-ish through high school age when all I had was Glee. God, yeah, Glee. <laughs> And even I would sit there and be like, I know better than this. Yeah. This, I, <laughs> this isn't real. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the thing. This content now is like, with Atypical being a shining example of it, Gentleman Jack being the pristine example of it. <laughs> is that, the historical and pristine. Yes. That we are, like, we're getting that good shit that we did not good gay shit that we did not get. oh, getting that good gay shit <laughs> that we did not get i mean so it, you know it's like everybody those teen movies and you know the the john hughes movies and all that, I, I love those for one reason because they're from my time but mm -hmm. now we're i hope that there's somebody that comes along that does that for kids today you know like they'll have that that 
that time period of like those teen movies and you know there's a little bit of it here and there but it's not going to be like the same where like my whole generation like we know all of those John Hughes movies by heart and that's what Mm -hmm. that's our experience for just like being the odd person the outcast the you know the the weirdos in school or whatever like we need that from someone so we're putting out the call let's send out the signal somebody out there needs to like (laughs) really be like I'm making this my mission to just like this is my shit I'm gonna make like the John Hughes queer kid movies. I want there to be options for, like, if you want to watch Pretty in Pink or, like, the queer version of Pretty in Pink. Yeah. Like, I like I want there to, for the this generation that is growing up now, they do kind of have those options. Like, we've got, um, I guess, Love Actually, and now there's the movie Season of Love that just came out. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. both Christmassy rom-coms. One has queer people, one doesn't. Like, we've got uh, all those Hallmark movies with a bunch of straight people in them portraying the love interests in Christmas movies. We've also got Les Bomb. Mm-hmm. There's starting to become, like, there's starting to be more options. And that's something that I just want to see grow and grow and grow because when I grew up, I didn't have those options. There's an example of that beyond those that you gave. And I'm going to say that this is one that I think is, like, because it's more mainstream than some of those mm-hmm. that you mentioned and it it falls in that category for me is uh blockers did you see Blockers? it was such a good movie i mean we went and to- it was all handled really well and it was funny and i went into that movie not knowing there was going to be a gay storyline either like a gay teen love story in that that's just mixed in and given equal importance to the mm-hmm. other two girls stories which were also very very well done very relevant and mm-hmm. interesting they were on e- the gay storyline was on equal footing and it wasn't like <gasps> the daughter's gay you know it's just like mm-hmm. another thing that the parents had to deal with that was equally as as stressful as the ones that the straight kids parents had to deal with hilarious as hell I, everybody should watch that movie it's on the regular cable now I, I probably watched yep. it three or four times i love it even if there wasn't the gay storyline it's still a good movie it's but, so funny but you throw that one in there and, it, and it's great so that like blockers that's one where i'm like man this this they got it right right here so look that one up if you if you want to. Well, that's the thing. That's what the formula needs to be for these movies. What it needs to be is there's all of this other stuff going on, and it doesn't matter that the people are gay. Like, that's mm-hmm. just a part of their story. That's why we all liked Carmilla so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't just specifically about lesbians. Oh, there's monsters, but they're mostly it's lesbians. Like, it was about the big bad that was happening in this show. And we don't have enough content right now that is a good show, a good story, but also they happen to be queer people. Right. right. It's always about, like, oh, no, the queer people. Like, (laughs) but that's what it is, and that's really upsetting. And I think we need to move forward in making content that is good, but also includes the queer demographic of people. And you've given me my next segue by bringing, <laughs> bringing this back around to Carmilla. A movement that started out of Carmilla Khan, and you and I have not discussed this, so you're looking at me like, what's she getting ready to say? Yeah. <laughs> Great, what happened? What did I miss? <laughs> you know, the movement that's come out of that is um, because it was five years ago that Carmilla started, and we've, what are we now, since 20, early 2017 since the movie came out? Is that when It was uh october 2016 i'm pretty sure okay so a couple years with no new carmilla as we Mm -hmm. know it from kind of tv and shaftesbury related content Mm -hmm. and so more carmilla is a hashtag more carmilla everybody's like hey if we get to the if we get this hashtag out and we get to the makers and they see that there's this many people because there are a lot of people 
No, 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 there are in the scheme of like you know massive mainstream entertainment, no, but enough <laughs> for it to be still a viable property. So the hashtag more Carmilla came out, and there's been a really big Twitter campaign going on. You know, everybody hashtagging and telling Shaftesbury and Kind of TV why they want more content, mm-hmm. and giving a lot of reasons, a lot of very valuable reasons, a lot of heartfelt pleas, a lot of stuff that I really identify with. Mm-hmm. When Elise Bauman won her uh, Canadian Screen Award, she gave a wonderful speech and kind of dropped in a mention that a primetime series was in... It was in talks. In talks. So everyone was like, oh, we're going to go you know, primetime. And everyone immediately assumed that it would just be the actors and actresses and the people behind the original... And now I see where you're going. Okay. I, I'm going a couple... I've, I'm going a couple I've thought about the same thing. I'm going a couple places with this. And, okay. And, and we're getting close to our time limit, so I'm not going to go crazy, <laughs> but... Everybody just assumed that it would be... Elise and Natasha and Annie and Caitlin and everyone else from the show um, moving into a new primetime series. Well, being a student of television and not just watching a TV, but behind the scenes as I am, immediately I was like, there's a good chance it's not going to be those people. There's a good chance Mm -hmm. that it's a property that they have and they can do with as they choose. And you know what studios and content creators are really good at is ignoring what people want uh-huh. and doing exactly what <laughs> they think will be popular. So I feel like we're shouting out into a void. It was two months for them to make one comment on Twitter back to say, hey, we see you, we hear you, we hear what you want, more Carmilla. By the way, here's our new show that we want to promote. Yep. <laughs> they went straight to that. Mm, they're using it. They're using our movement. Yeah, using the movement to promote other content and, you know, people were like, oh, they responded, they responded. God love them for their enthusiasm. They responded, <laughs> but they didn't really see what was going on there. Mm-hmm. Is that that was a, to appease and to, you know, like when somebody's getting, some big company's getting shouted and called out on Twitter, they've got to make a response. It just, they just mm-hmm. have to at some point. Um, it happens with the airlines. It happens with other TV shows. It happens with other networks. It happens networks. with celebrities. Like, yeah. it, it happens to everybody. Yeah. Right. But I read into it differently. And here's the thing is like now someone posted where uh, they've actually put like uh, some blurb online about the show, you know, the the primetime show. And there's a picture of a character that is not our Laura, you know, like (laughs) someone with two bites in the neck and, and somebody's like, that doesn't look like Laura. And it's like, or our Laura, you know, like Elise. No, it's not. And I see them doing some sort of like Vampire Diaries thing with this where they're going to flip this. They're not yep. going to take the characters that we know and age them up appropriately to where they would be and 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 start off in the middle of something that the general mass mainstream audience would have no idea what to do with. If you start with Carmilla and Laura and the, and every everyone else being at whatever they at the end of the so at the movie they were probably about what 20 Five-ish. 25, 26. Out of college. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, they're not going to start there when the meat of the story is the time at the university. You're right. That is that is the story that they now know is hugely popular and draws people in. So now we're going to redo that and we're going to put it on primetime and we're going to recast it and we're going to put that out and it's going to be a totally different thing. And it won't have the charm of the web series. It won't have the chemistry of the mm-hmm. actors. It won't have... Mm-hmm the viral 
you know, organic viral is, is one thing. Like, people can try to make something viral. That organically happened with its own spark. That yes, it did. No one promoted that and hyped it. It was found, and it was spread like wildfire by people who saw how special it was. And you can't put the lightning in... What's that? What is the phrase? Lightning in a bottle? Like, you can't do you that. You can't put lightning in a bottle. Yeah. That lightning already happened. We got it. It's superb. It's excellent. Um... If they were to come and say, well, we're going to continue this story as a web series, that makes sense. That's a good idea. Yeah. To go on and continue that on. And I would love nothing more than to see all of the people that worked so hard to make the the web series as wonderful and successful as it was and still is, get to move on into primetime and do these things. I Just mm-hmm. from the business side and the back end of it, I don't think that anyone there cares to do that. I don't have any insider information. I don't know. No one that I know on the show has told me anything, and I've not even brought it up to discuss because I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. This is just my personal, like, because I, I do this podcast, but I also do, a, 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 I'm a guest on a regular, like, television, mainstream television podcast and, and pop culture podcast, and so we study a lot of stuff, and I just don't see that happening, and so I feel like... You know, I'm not saying like, hey, you guys did anything wrong with this more Carmelo or whatever. It was great. It needs to be out there and they need to know that it's popular. But I think they latched on to, oh, this is popular and these people are passionate about this. Let's try to jump on the bandwagon and promote our other stuff. And they'll forget about. Well, we won't forget about it. That's how mainstream media usually handles things like this. Mainstream is something completely different. It's a different animal from what we have grown to know and love in the Carmilla like atmosphere. It's not the same as web series content. It's not about fan content. It's about what gets the ratings. Mm-hmm. And the same thing you said about where they should not they they won't just drop off, you know, 5 years after. Like they won't just jump into that story. That's something that a lot of people that on the side of the internet that I was on with Tumblr, we kind of knew that that wasn't going to happen. And that the only way they could really do this is if they went and started over again. Like, if they went and redid the beginning of the story. But it wouldn't work the same way. And it wouldn't be the same with this cast. Like, we, you you know, as well as I do, everyone just wants more of this cast. Yeah. That's honestly what it is. They want more content with these same people. Yes. But there's no way logistically that I can think of that the mainstream media people will do that or could do that and make it work. Because it's not the same as this web series. It's not the same as the movie was. Mm-mm. It's it's not ever going to be that same caliber as much as we want it to be. As much as we would support anything with them. It's not going to work for their ratings. Yeah, if that cast wants to come to my door every day and sell me Girl Scout cookies, I'm going to buy those Girl Scout cookies. Uh-huh. I'm broke. I have no job, but I will give you macaroni art. Yes. <laughs> so what's logical is to campaign for the second movie that they teased yes. us with. At this, it, at the end of the Carmilla, Carmilla movie, we got a a uh, build up where they were staging it up for a second movie that I want to see. I want to see that movie. And I want to see Baby Lofi's getting fought. Yeah, I want that. Yeah, I definitely want more of uh, Maddie. That's what I was gonna say. I need more Matska. I haven't. I feel like we didn't get enough of her no. at all through all of the content. No, like she's great because next to Carmilla, Maddie is my favorite part, and they might be on par with each other i mean that's why i have a cat named matska because i needed more matska content so i've created my own and she is a terror in my own house (laughs) that would i would support that and i think maybe we need to start asking for that 
mm-hmm. know, we need to start asking for Carmelo the sequel, Carmelo two. You know, hashtag those. And things. that logistically makes sense. Yes, and it and it, that, it, it I think that yeah, because we can pick up at at the end of the movie that characters are at the same place they are in life. There, mm-hmm. we already have the setup for it. We go back to mm-hmm. familiar uh, confines of of Silas, um, mm-hmm. which we love. We go back to that. We would actually get to see the pit, probably, which is what a, a lot of people wanted. <laughs> and let's not be greedy. Let's let's nope. let's give up on these actors and actresses being placed in the prime time and having them. Are they if they do that? Do we expect that they're going to take these actresses and actors and take them back and have them redo Carmilla? Uh, we don't want that. I don't want it redone. Mm-mm. It doesn't need to be redone. Mm-mm. You know, just common sense wise. And and they're not aged or anything, so and I, but, but, <laughs> Natasha, don't uh, don't yell at me, Natasha. But she's gonna say you're saying that I am ancient. <laughs> yeah, she'll give me a mean text later. Uh huh. She doesn't listen to this. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know that they're gonna put them back and have them be you know fresh freshman sophomore is <laughs> college. No, I, I mean, mean I could see what they could try to do, but. Ooh, that's worse than Scooby Doo remakes. <laughs> yeah. So let's 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 give the classic timeless Carmilla storyline. Let's give that to some new people. Let's give that to, mm-hmm. to kids, the teenagers that now need to come on and you know who don't watch web series, but they might be able to watch it on whatever primetime outlet in is it being mm-hmm. on. And let and hopefully they find leads. people with that same people with the same thing, and they can get to be mm-hmm. a thing because you know what. Sometimes, like, you get something that's really good, and you're like, I want more of it, I want more of it, and you get it, and it's not good. And it's not as good. Mm -hmm. Or just, not even not as good, it just isn't what the other is. I don't want Carmilla ruined for me. Oh, I've been feeling that. Video games will kill you with that. (laughs) Yeah. Trust me on that one. I have done my fair share. But I think that what you're saying is completely correct. Let's, let's... Give these actors and uh, actresses that we have known and love the accolades and the love and support, everything that we have, like we always have. For, push for a second movie. Yeah, for a second movie. But don't push for them to be in this primetime series. That's just them having to relive what they've already done. They deserve more respect than that, and they, they will make it to primetime. Like, I'm not saying everybody in the whole world does, but they have their own talents and their own things they are working on that they are going to make it to primetime. Yeah. Just not in the way that we have all pushed and wanted with this more Carmilla content on primetime. That's just logistically not going to work. Yeah. My second take is okay. Let's 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 go for a hashtag Carmilla two, hashtag Carmilla the sequel, something like that. <laughs> Somebody come up with something great for that. Uh, and so many creative people on Twitter and in Tumblr and everywhere, this thing can live on, and it has, you know, beyond the initial production and and the movie and everything, it mm-hmm. has lived on. And the creativity of the people who love it, mm-hmm. fan fiction, you know, the art, all these things. Somebody out there, take your take your iPhone. And, and make an animated Carmilla something if you want to. Somebody out there take your pen and write a write a fanfic. Somebody take my idea for a fanfic that I have and maybe make your own little series out of it or or write a fanfic. When you know my idea, I think I've told you, you might not remember, but I want I want mm-hmm. Maddie and Carmilla's Saigon. 
Yes, yes, I agreed with you on this. That is something that I have wanted to see for so long. Yeah, <laughs> that is my most, like, I want to, I want something that focuses on the two of them and their adventures because this, in the second season, just that one little conversation when they're sitting mm-hmm. and talking about all their wild times and, and Saigon especially and watching the moon landing together and those things. I want that story. So somebody out there that has some fanfic writing skills because I do not, give me that, <laughs> you know, and, and when I'm reading it or whatever, it's going to be the people that we know i'm gonna mm-hmm. put that all together and we can just create our own ca- content and keep it going should we have to do that no but i think the time has passed for what people are envisioning and hoping will happen i think it's just passed and i will say that there are people that do still do that uh the um carmilla just the carmilla karnstein um like tag on uh archive of our own gets on average about 13 new stories added every day still mm-hmm and that's amazing for as far out as we are from new, fresh content. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's older fandoms where stuff is still even being created. Uh, there, there is. <laughs> Glee. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany and Santana lives on in the hearts of every queer girl, you know. It does. We all, we all suffered. So we've got to do something with it. But I'm saying, like, it's for that many to still be made daily. with just That's just the tag of Carmilla Karnstein that I check on. Mm-hmm. That's not c- checking on any of the other names. Yeah. So, like... It's it's really cool to get to see that that's still happening. And so I think that as a fandom, we are still creating stories and letting these characters thrive in the way that we know them. Mm-hmm. So I think it's we just keep appreciating what we've had and what we have and then open up the door for more content to come in. Might be not be the same, but it'll still be good. And again, I'm in no way uh, criticizing, um, you know, putting a negative content on the hashtag more Carmilla. Oh, no. I just had a little bit of time to sit and, and think on it. And um, I'm afraid I don't want what I love ruined. And I don't want yep. it stretched beyond the realms of believability to try to make that happen. And I honestly don't think we have to worry about it because I just don't think it's going to happen. So let's just move on. Well, that's a little bit abrasive. I mean, it could happen. Television is changing. No, I mean using using the the cast. Oh no, okay, that's that's thing. fine. Yeah. I thought you meant just the TV show in general. No, I was no, like, no, no, no. TV's changing. I feel like that will probably happen because you know, ho- well, it's not Hollywood for this, but movie industry and TV industry. When they see something that grew organically and was huge, mm-hmm. they they they're simple enough to think it'll happen again. <laughs> and so they'll yeah. put it out there, but it's not going to be the same thing. Vampires work, queer people work, vampires and queer people together. I mean, that's going to bring in a crowd to television. Oh, yeah. But it won't be <laughs> it won't be what we know and what we love. It's kind of no. like, you know, cloning, like, you know, <laughs> hey, we all saw Pet Cemetery. <laughs> we all saw Orphan Black. Exactly. We all <laughs> saw that man in Texas who cloned his steer. <laughs> And thought that that was his cow, his steer again, and then the damn thing gored him to death. I mean, oh no! And the wife's like, "That never looked right in the eyes. That cat, that bull didn't look right in the eyes. No, it didn't, because you fucking was shit. You don't need to fuck with." Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, I think we got to end it on that. We did not get to Riverdale today, which was high on our list to talk about. But Lord, it's you a know, lot to unpack. It's a lot. We'll get to it. We, I have a lot of thoughts yeah. <laughs> yeah riverdale might have to be its own massive whole episode look but... i dyed my hair to look like archie so i've got a lot of thoughts on riverdale right now yeah 
And by the way, loving the haircut, loving all of that. Thanks. When you, when you first started talking about it and you did the one step and you were unsure and then, and then you did the other, I was like, no, do it, do it, do it. And I was right. At some point, you just have to say fuck it and just go. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty much what's happened in my head. So, so here you, we are. Your hair and hashtag more Carmilla. Fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right, we're going to end on that. Um, if right. you guys want to check out uh, us on Twitter, it's at Gay Stuff Podcast. Mm-hmm. On um, Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Butch and Sissy. And where can they find you, Beck? I am on everything as at Tiny Gay Cookie. All right, until next time, let's um, get out of here and go watch some, see if there's some gay stuff in it. We will. Bye. <laughs>